0: Good morning. It's good to be with you, church family. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Turn on your iPhone or your tablet, whatever it is you have. Let's turn together to Matthew 25. I don't know what summers were like for you growing up, but while the majority of my friends were sleeping in till 10 a.m., 11 a.m. on a summer day, that was not the case in the Galvan casa, the Galvan home. Um, I would be fast asleep and uh, my father would say, mijo, it's time. And I would look at the clock, it's about 7 a.m. I'm like, dad, you must be mistaken, I don't have school today. Um, it's summer. Let me sleep. <clears throat> uh, but he did not believe in that, and so he would say breakfast is ready, and you know I'd come and eat breakfast about seven thirty. And before he would leave for work, he uh, would walk me through the house, and he would tell me, give me a list of things he wanted done in the house. You know, wash the car. You know, clean the kitchen, clean your room, yada yada. The list would go on and. So he would go to work, and my sister, Edna, we would um, be in our house and kind of goofing off, watching TV. But when, when it came about 3 o'clock, um, it was like, it's game time. <laughs> we need to get prepared because Pops is going to come through those doors, and he's going to ask us, what have you done while I've been gone? And uh, we knew we need to be prepared, and this parable that we are going to look at this morning is about the importance of being prepared for the return of Christ. I want us to read this story together and just to kind of give you an an idea of what was happening. Jesus had been with his disciples on the Mount of Olives and they, they were asking Jesus a question. The question was this, you read it, in Matthew 24, verse 3, they, they said, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the close of the age? And Jesus began to tell them things that they should expect. He he tells them, hey, you know, many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ. He told them there's going to be wars in Rumors of wars, nations against nations. But the the main theme of Matthew 24 and 25 is this. Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Stay awake. The scene of this parable that we're going to look at is of a wedding. Now, raise your hand if you're married. Let's see it. All right, oh yeah, we heard a few of you. In American culture, the way that a a, a wedding would take place usually begins with a, a guy and a girl they start dating. Yeah, you with me? Then what what occurs next, church? Somebody said it over there. What was it? An engagement. The guy builds up the courage, gets on one knee, says, you know, I love you, I wanna we'll spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? Hopefully you yes. asked for a blessing before that, you know. There's an engagement, and then there is the wedding. In Jewish culture, it was um, similar in some ways, but it was a little more longer process. In In a Jewish wedding, there was an engagement, but oftentimes, the bride and the bridegroom weren't there. It was between the father's. That was the engagement. Uh, The fathers would get together and they say, well, you know, how big will the dowry be? And an an agreement would be made between them. And then the second part, there would be a ceremony. And this bride and the bridegroom would come together and they would make their vows to each other. And then, instead of them being married right that moment, the the bridegroom would go To prepare a place for his new bride. You hear that language in John 14 where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. It's the language that's happening. The the bridegroom would usually go to his father's home, his land, prepare a place. It could take about a year. And once it was ready, the bridegroom would come for his bride. And then there would be a wedding feast that would occur to finalize this marriage. It's helpful for us to understand how this Jewish wedding, as we look at this parable in Matthew chapter 25, let's begin at verse one. Matthew 25, beginning verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I wanted to point your attention this morning to five truths that this parable teaches us about the return of Christ. What should we expect? What does this parable teach us? The first thing that I want you to see is that the return of Christ may delay. Look at verse 5. It says that as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. These ten virgins, we know them as bridesmaids. That's who they are. They are there to be with the bride, to help with the festivities that were to happen. When the bridegroom would come, they would light their torches to signify that the, the wedding feast was started. That's who these ladies are. See, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to establish his, establish a physical kingdom in their lifetime. And they're wondering, when is this going to happen? When, what time? Is there a time frame that, that this is going to take place? Jesus reminding his disciples, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. No one knows when he will come. But he made delay. When I was about 10 years old, I was driving to school. And all of a sudden, in one of the neighborhoods, I noticed every TV station was in this neighborhood. NBC, CBS, they were all there. I went around asking what's happening. They said that a cult had moved in to my hometown, Garland. The prophet, their prophet had some kind of vision uh, to move to Garland because he, he saw that it was God land. So his whole cult moved to Garland. They took over this entire neighborhood. And the reason that all the TV stations were there was that this prophet had a, a prophecy that he knew the day that Jesus was going to come. And it was like within a month or so. Well, you know, the, the day came, Jesus didn't come and... Well, guess what? He got a new prophecy, that that it got pushed back a little bit. <laughs> if someone ever tells you they know the exact day that uh, Jesus is coming, don't believe them. See, Peter addressed this. Let me read Second Peter. Chapter 3, listen to what Peter tells us about the return of Christ. Scoffers will come. Listen to this. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful, sinful desires. And listen to what they'll say. What is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. This delay of Christ's coming has been such a stumbling block for people. But listen what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And as a and a thousand years as one day. The church has been waiting for the return of Christ for 2,000 years. And yet Peter reminds us, that is but two days to God. Man, church family, we're reminded in this parable that that the return of Christ may delay. It could be another 2,000 years or it could be this week. We live in such a culture of, We want it instantly, don't we? Got to put that thing in the microwave. We want it quick. We want it now. And if not, we're easily distracted. But the the parable reminds us, Jesus reminds us that his return may delay. And we're reminded that regardless of the delay, we're to be prepared. We're to be ready for him to come. The second thing that we notice about the return of Christ is that the return of Christ will be sudden. Listen when it occurs, verse 6. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. When Christ returns, it will happen suddenly. It will come when you do not expect it. And Jesus uses two illustrations in chapter 24. He he speaks in Matthew 24, verse 36 and 38. Listen to this. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Verse 37, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. It seems like it's life as usual. Everything is normal. Imagine the, the man that is, is there in the days of, of Noah. Noah. He had maybe heard about this man, Noah, who was foolishly building this ark. And the day came that he, he woke up, and it was just a normal day. The sun was out. He's breakfast with his family. He kisses his children goodbye, kisses his wife. He goes to the field to work. Just a normal day. And all of a sudden, the sky turns black. He begins to hear thunder. Rain begins to fall on his face. Water begins to come from under the earth. He begins to run to his home. Water is at his knees. It was just a normal day, and judgment came upon him. And this is how Jesus says, the return of Christ. It will be sudden it will be like you don't ex- you're not expecting it he uses the illustration of of a thief that comes in the night he says in chapter 24 verse 43 but but know this that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into if after this service i I give some hugs and I say goodbye and I I walk to my truck and somebody on the side of the building, you know, with his black coat kind of calls me over. I'm like, me? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, tonight, about 2 a.m., someone's gonna break into your home. You know what I would do if that happened? If somebody gave me that kind of news, I would call John Griffin and Ken Boozer, and I would definitely call you Casey Towery, and I would say, please bring whatever weapons that you have. My wife will cook you dinner. We're gonna stake out because you know what? At 2 a.m., somebody's gonna try to break into my home, right? You would be prepared, and that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, the the return of Christ it will be like a thief in the night when you do not expect it. It will happen sudden. And Jesus is reminding his disciples, and he's reminding us today, is be prepared. Be prepared. If you knew when the thief was coming, you would be ready. Christ is coming. Be prepared. He may delay. It will be sudden. But then number three, the return of Christ will reveal the heart. Let's look at verse 7 of chapter 25. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for your lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves and And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. This is terrifying. It is is so important, church family, that we we pay attention in this moment and understand what is the common denominators between these wise virgins and these foolish virgins. Who who do these people, these 10 ladies, who do they represent? They represent the visible church. They represent professing believers. That's who they represent. Now listen, what's the common denominator between the wise and the foolish? You know what, both of them, they say they know Christ. They know the bridegroom. The five foolish virgins and the wise They are anticipating his return. They know about the wedding. They're there. They got their torches. They got their wedding garments. They're waiting to celebrate. And yet, see, the wise virgins and the unwise, on the surface, they look the same. But inwardly, they are drastically different. See, you need to hear what's happening in the story. Both the wise and the foolish, they knew the bridegroom was coming. They knew Christ was coming. They knew the wedding was coming. They were a part of the church. Do you get it? See, these foolish virgins represent people who outwardly look like Christians. They talk like a Christian. In some ways, they act, they, they come to the church functions. They're here, they're singing, they're dressed right. And yet in the parable, Jesus says, I don't know you. See, they may have been Christians externally, but internally, they were not. Jesus was was not truly the, the Lord of their life. There was never a real repentance. When I was in college, I had a, a dear friend. I, I admired him greatly. He was a he was known as a spiritual leader on the campus. And everything about him, on the surface, said, best Christian. He, I remember leading Bible studies. He was kind of the go-to guy. And yet here we are 10 years later. And this man no longer follows Christ. So what was it that I was seeing when I was in college? You know, as I reflect back uh, on this friend of mine, you know, there, there was never repentance in his life. See, there, there was an outward form of religion that was absent of any actual power of transformation in his life. This is, this is a sobering parable. Could it be that there are some here today who claim to be Christian? And maybe it could be considered the foolish virgins who outwardly play the part but have never surrendered their life truly to Christ. I'm not trying to be dramatic this morning. I think this is, this is the point of the text. And this is, listen, church, this is God's grace to us, that there could be some who have been fooled to think that they are Christian. But it is about external behavior, and there has never been internal transformation of the heart. People have never been born again. This parable, it causes us to self-examine ourselves. Are we in Christ We've given our lives to Christ. See the, the, these these foolish virgins. They might have known Jesus in their, their mind, but they have had never given him loyalty of their heart. You hear these words where Jesus says in Luke 6:46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You, you know what, what else this parable teaches us is that saving grace is not transferable. See, what it mean for these wise virgins not to offer their oil to these foolish virgins? I think there's a, there's a lesson here is, saving grace is not transferable. Just because your father or your mother believed in Christ, doesn't mean that will save you. It's about, it's about your life, what you have believed. See this parable it teaches us church the return of christ it may delay the return of christ it will be sudden the return of christ will reveal the heart but number 4 the return of christ will be irreversible the day came the bridegroom arrived And they hear the cry, the bridegroom is here, come. And these foolish virgins, they they were not prepared. And so they go to the market and they they go to buy, and they come back, and the door has been shut. And they begin pleading at the door Lord, Lord, let us in. We're ready now. Lord, Lord, please let us in. And the bridegroom, Jesus, replies to them, it's too late. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. See, when Christ returns, there will be no second chances It will be irreversible at this point. As I was reflecting on this passage, I was reminded how often I've heard these words in ministry. When I'm older, I'll give my life to Christ. You know, it's just not the right time. The time will come when I will, you know, yeah, yeah. When I'm, you know, in a few years, let me just kind of have some fun. I remember hearing that, the young man at North Lake. I just just want to have some fun, and, and then I'll give my life to Christ. What a dangerous thing to say and believe. See, what this parable teaches is that when Christ comes, it will be irreversible. The door of salvation will shut and it will be too late. How how many will hear those, will be hear those cries? Lord, Lord, we want to believe now. Lord, Lord, would you let us in now? But that our salvation has been closed. But praise God today that the door of salvation is open. That anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, Man, we, just, we just celebrated the Christmas holiday, remembering Emmanuel, God with us, that she will have a son, and he will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. A way has been made for us in Christ. Christ has done what you cannot do. He died in your place. If if you have not received Christ, believe today. Is a free gift. Because on this day, do not wait. Believe. Church of the Last Thing, number five. This parable teaches us that that the return of Christ demands preparedness. Look at what Jesus says in verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. What does watch mean? I've been wrestling with that all week. What does watch mean? Is, is Jesus saying just kind of stop everything that you're doing and just kind of look to the sky and just kind of co- constantly be looking up and saying, is it today the day he's coming? And Some may interpret it as that. What, what, what Jesus is, is telling his disciples and, and church, what we're being reminded today is, is to stay spiritually awake. know what's interesting is both the wise virgins and the foolish virgins guess what they both fell asleep did you notice that in the parable and Jesus doesn't get on to the wise virgins for falling asleep you know what I think it is teaching us is that there in the Christian life is this ordinary way of doing life that is influenced by the return of Christ. We we wake up and we, we do the things that we have to do living in light of this day that is coming and we go to sleep and we wake up And we do the things that we have to do, and and every moment, every day is shaped by the day that is coming. It it impacts it impacts every aspect of our lives. I think about my children, parents, grandparents. We have a responsibility to instruct our children. Because there's a day coming where he is returning. We want our children to know him, to live their lives fully devoted to him because why? He's coming. The way that we we are at work, we are working and we're glorifying him. Why? Because there's a day that's coming. The way that we interact with our neighbors is different, our coworkers. Why? Because he's coming. Church, the question I want to leave us with is, is are you ready for his coming? Why don't don't we look around for a moment in the room? And could it be that there are some here that are not ready? Could there be here some who who externally would say, yes, I'm a Christian. And Jesus would say, I do not know you. My friend, repent of your sins. Give your life to Christ. Believe in him. Church, there's a wedding that's coming, where the bridegroom, he's delayed. He will return for his bride, the church. Hey, the wedding is coming, and this parable reminds us: may we be prepared. May we be longing for the day. May we be living every day in light of that one. May the Lord help us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder, Lord, of your return. And Lord, I, I think about I think about my life. And I think about all the people in this room, Lord. We we are so easily distracted, Lord. Lord, we are so easily consumed with the things of this world that, that we forget your return, Lord. And so, Lord, I, I confess, and, and Lord, we confess, maybe that there's some that we, we are guilty of, we, we live for ourselves alone. And we live for the, the next best thing. And Lord, would you sober your church this morning? Would you sober me? Would you remind us that you are coming, Lord? Spirit, would you convict? This morning, where where we have grown numb to your return, we've grown indifferent. We've become distracted. Would you convict? Lord, pray would you put in your people such an anticipation for your return, Lord, that would drastically influence the way that we live our lives. So much so, Lord, that we could hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, help us, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's respond.